0: Welcome to Fantastic Voyage. Thank you to the uh, the What The If Tabernacle Chorus choir what the if tabernacle choir singing there gabby how are you
1: i am doing good currently huddled inside from the absolute blizzard mayhem outside
0: <laughs> that is uh gabby Penicia, virologist from rockefeller university on on campus at rockefeller university is that right what's the, right, the we're just
1: a little bit off campus i'm observing the campus and it seems to be thoroughly bombarded by snow
0: and uh matthew stanley professor of new york from new york university historian of science
2: how are you Uh, indeed um and technically uh i am not on campus because campus is closed due to the blizzard but actually i am on campus so just don't tell anyone please
0: (laughs) (laughs) you've stormed the
2: campus uh that's correct yes
0: yes in the storm oh amazing uh fantastic voyage is a new uh new th- a new thing how, matt how would you describe it it's still it's still a work in progress it's still a concept in progress but
2: uh yeah we're uh so in and what the if we have a tendency to um uh change reality on the top end that's our friday show change the, the cosmos as it were Uh, and here on fantastic voyage, we're changing reality, uh, on the small end, uh, what things look like, uh, down on the other side of things. That's a great way to put it. Great way to put it. Also, also a difference is
0: because we have Gabby here and unlike you and I, Matt, on the show, we do by ourselves on Friday. Um, we are not exactly living creatures necessarily.
2: No, Um, we are, um, at best, uh, automata.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm But Gabby, being a biologist, um, is an expert of things that are alive, mm-hmm. and um, so today for our fantastic voyage, uh, Gabby, you were saying, um, tell us what your inspiration was. I think it was a a fine science fiction program of days gone by.
1: Yeah. So uh, during the pandemic, I have I think actually twice now binge watched the X Files, and. I deeply love the X-Files, but it does have a sort of habit of being a little hand wavy about science and coming up with sort of just a combination of two or three buzzwords that sound the coolest together, but scientifically are a little bit like, hmm, how does that work? How would that work? So my idea was to take a look at how can we mess up biology enough to make the uh, sentient virus in the X-Files, which they refer to as the black oil, um, actually work like what would have to happen in order for that to to work and actually exist in reality
0: the black one, right so we now prepare to so sometimes we shrink down i think today it's not so much a shrink down as a transform
2: yeah but we got to shrink down first right
0: <laughs> okay trans- we're going to shrink da- we're going to shrink down uh and well, yeah we're going to put ourselves in inside a virus that can think and then we will mind meld with it that's what we're doing
1: yeah what I if, like the idea of that yeah
0: we're gonna yeah. mind meld which by the way if you remember on star trek that was to me one of the scares aside from the episode where kirk was attacked by the gorn which was <laughs> so terrifying to me that uh, we i would watch the television down in the, in the basement and uh, when i was little and uh, that episode was so terrifying I ran all the way up to the top of the stairs where I could still see the television way down in the basement. But that was as close as I could get to the to the television. Oh, right that's then. a good strategy. Yeah. yeah. But um even more terrifying was when Spock had to do a mind meld. Uh what I don't know are you guys familiar with that? And could you describe and all, all right?
2: Yeah.
0: What would you Matt? What would you see? What, it, what seemed to be going on? It's, it seemed to be a terribly painful process.
2: With the mind meld? Yes. Uh, well, this, the mind meld is, of course, the direct telepathic connection between uh, one person's consciousness and the other. Right. Um, and uh, at times, uh, Spock had to do that with uh, uh, non-human entities or non-humanoid entities anyway, uh, which right. caused him various forms of discomfort. Yeah.
0: yeah. Highly, he would. The pain. It was always that. The pain. And so we will subject ourselves to that as we begin our fantastic voyage. Transformation. Engage. Shrinking. Ah, much more calming part of the process. And we have entered a virus. And now we will engage with its mind.
1: Well, that's where I wanna I wanna say something fun. Do it. The virus itself is actually really, really dumb. <laughs> There's no mind in this thing that we're in right now. We are attempting to mind meld and getting empty air. It is straight vacuum. Well, you know, that's currently. why.
0: That's why it could be so painful. We never saw Spock try to mind meld with just like a rock. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but this virus, this is an X-Files virus, it can think.
1: Well, so that's the thing that I think is, is kind of cool. So if you yeah. get it to the point where it can think, my idea for how this would work is that there's actually nothing to it while it's still goop. So it would only become conscious by hijacking the consciousness of the people that it infects
0: oh wow okay so it's hijacked our <laughs> yeah because we're not mind
1: melding we- with it it's mind melding with us <laughs> this is fantastic. very one-sided
0: fantastic so we yeah yeah well that is the mind meld it does go both ways right hence the meld part of it and so yes an unfortunate accident <laughs> happened <laughs> in which uh we shrunk ourselves down and the mind—we got mind melded inside our little ship. And uh, I, I suppose it mind melds with one of us. Is that right? Uh, who, who volunteers to have their mind melded? Matt.
2: Yeah, sure. Why not? I got. <laughs> Matt has been melded. Not much going on today.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> so Gabby, what what's going on now? What, yeah. and, and Matt, you will be able to speak as yourself and as the, as the virus, say, right. because you are melded.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the way you see it work in the X-Files, you know, I've got my notes from uh, what, what I've taken in the field, my notes from the field, right. uh, what I've observed right. so far. Yes. Um, and it, it's clear that once this black oil infects someone in the X-Files, it definitely pilots them. They kind of lose some agency and yeah. that's, that's in control. It seems to move kind of like a covert government agent. So, Matt, I'm sorry. You're just kind of a man in black for today. Um, i be fine.
2: I look good in black. Yeah. <laughs> so and black way- oil, black oil is a virus? Is that what?
1: Yeah. Again, they they really just kind of went for, they wanted a super creepy looking black goop. But then eventually I think right. they decided that it's a virus, which I think kind of jives pretty well with what we know about the word virus. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> the root of the word virus uh comes from Latin, and it means uh, like slimy liquid. Mm-hmm. So I think actually, in a manner of speaking, this is the most quintessential virus is that, you know, they just threw a bunch of slime for the camera. See, again,
0: note to the CDC or Dr. Fauci or, wh- or whoever uh, this would help. If you, instead of calling it COVID-19 or e-virus or whatever, you called it, we called it the slimy glo- slimy goop. You would want a vaccine. People might react a little differently. Yeah, yeah. you don't want the slime. You want the slimy goop. You've been gooped. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, what, what's uh, what's her name? Has a, isn't that the website Goop?
1: Oh, Gwyneth Paltrow.
0: Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> selling slimy goop. You know, she's doing she's done very well by it. So, uh, this virus. So, so, so Matt is. Uh, I assume we we have all shrunken ourselves down. By the way, we are in a ship. We call it the if, the little ship, like the little word, with great potential, just like the word if. And uh, we are surrounded by, um, now in the past, when we went into, on some of our previous adventures, Gabby, you said we were surrounded by a a sphere of uh, fat, Mm -hmm. is that correct? Uh, To go inside the virus, would we want that same
1: Structure. I guess it depends on the virus. So the reason why we've been gooped before um, is because some viruses contain what's called an envelope, which is kind of actually a usually a remnant. They steal it from the cells that they bud out of, that they escape from, and it kind of helps them get back into another cell easier. Um, but this one might not be enveloped. Um, this is an alien virus, so who knows? Maybe it has a very, very different envelope. Um, however, I think it's fairly safe to assume that maybe we're gooped. We, we can we can remove it All later, right, we're but gooped.
0: We're, we're gooped. Yeah, 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 yeah. We we're surrounded by goop and a little bit of fiction, and uh, that protects us a tiny bit. And so, um, if the so, tell us now, what do you think? If the virus, what, what do you think is the first scientific? So, so you you okay? You as the scientist, Gabby, um, you brought this into the lab. Uh, and what kind of protection do you need? And, uh, what's your first question that you kind of need to, how, how are you going to begin to assess this, uh, hmm. virus, or so well, how are you going to learn? What, what do we, what does the scientist do? So you found something weird, new, and it, uh, you want to figure out why, how is it thinking?
1: Yeah, so I'm, depending on how it's, th- so how it's thinking, clearly I got to get it into something that thinks. Because yeah. at least my idea of how this would actually, if you had to make this actually work in real life, right my idea is that it probably works a little bit like something called a cordyceps fungus. Um,
2: oh, yeah, good choice. Yeah,
1: thank, that knows. Um, so my, uh, so here I am suited up, essentially BSL-4 level. I am in a slightly inflated suit. I've got you know, a, basically a spacesuit on to work with this thing. Right. Um, and what so the reason then, why. I'll
0: just say what happened was Matt, we, we shrunk down, Matt got mind melded and all of a sudden we were like emergency. And we, we jumped back out and Gabby said, we got to get to get, get us to the lab. And so we've gone to the lab now.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm so basically have- in a spacesuit, generally, like, you know, observing Matt trying to. Right. figure out how we're going to fix this before he just completely wigs out from... Okay.
2: (laughs) Must be a Monday. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, I guess bring it back to what I mentioned with the cordyceps fungus. So, cordyceps fungi are actually really cool. Um, If anyone listening is acquainted with um, The Last of Us, the clickers and all of those zombies were inspired by cordyceps fungi. Mm -hmm. So they are funguses that infect insects, mostly. And they, I think there's some snails that get infected by those or other type things. Th- this is actually surprisingly common among like some fungi and like bacteria that they have just learned, oh, we're going to do mind control now. Um, <laughs> and one species of wasp that does it to cockroaches. Fascinating. Anyway, um, basically this fungi will take over and infect a, an insect. And then as the fungus grows, it somehow influences their nervous system to get them to get either around other insects or get to like the highest possible point that the insect can. And then when it's stuck there, it will get the insect to like maybe like bite down with its mandibles on a piece of tree. And then the fungus blooms out of the insect and just rocket spores everywhere. So it'll get it to the point where maybe like it gets it the fungus the best possible opportunity to so it, get infect other things, which I like, think kind of works for the black oil.
0: Is it so it's like the rat in ratatouille that pilots like it goes inside. You know, it, <laughs> it, in Ratatouille, it doesn't quite go inside. It's Pixar. It's a little more gentle. But basically, a creature goes in, so it goes inside, and so Matt, Matt is now being piloted around the room. Yeah. But how does, by... it feel, how, how does that how does that feel, Matt? Because your well, mind is still there. Well, too. Well, that's is a, a good mill.
2: question. Actually, it's I'm not yeah. quite sure if. Um uh, what the sensation is, uh, you know, is it like, um, uh, I'm aware of moving or if I feel like, as, um, you know, uh, one could imagine that it's taken over. Um, so I'm aware my body is moving, but I don't have any intentionality behind it. Um, or maybe it works by convincing me that it's what I wanted to do in the first place. Uh, in which case, um, everything feels perfectly normal to me. Uh, it would just be the outside folks who, who notice I'm doing something unusual. Yeah, that's interesting. And
0: in fact, what that, that points to a real question, right? Which is these uh, viruses that go in, is this the same as a parasite?
1: No, so just, parasites are okay. actually super, well, I guess you can, you can, I guess, class a virus as an intracellular obligate parasite which is a fancy way of saying something that lives inside a cell and needs that cell to survive and continue its life cycle. Hmm. But parasites we generally define as being more canonically alive. They fit all of the blueprints that we expect for life. Uh-huh. Um, okay. And that stuff, and they don't necessarily have to be like bacteria. So for example, um, they, they can be singular cellular though. So from like malaria, that's not a bacteria. Um, it's a eukaryote, so it actually carries around fairly complex genes, but it has some stuff stripped so it can travel light and bop in and out of cells as fast as possible.
0: Whoa. So, but so a vi- oh. so like I've heard of Paris, maybe I was misinterpreting some of these stories. I've heard of you know, parasites that go inside bugs and navigate them and stuff like that. Or are you saying actually those were viruses and I was... Oh,
1: no, 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 they, they can be oh. parasites. Yeah, they can be totally parasites. Like, wow. I-, I guess... I guess maybe the cordyceps fungus is classed as a parasitic fungus. Um,
0: Yeah. So, uh, and it takes, it is looking to take Matt to a place of maximum (laughs) uh, potential for infecting all of us.
1: Yes, or or maybe because you know it seems to be like I said behaving like a man in black. Maybe it's got its own secret mission. I think one time it tries to get back to a spaceship. So Matt's got to go find aliens now. <laughs> I'm that sorry, the X Files be- told me how this works and really, really our- just hand waved it.
0: That could explain all of
1: SETI. Maybe that's the entire impulse
0: behind SETI. We are mm-hmm. actually yeah. trying he to actually
1: gets infected and takes over as the chairman, and that's that's it. He just runs a <laughs> he just runs a space organization
2: now. No, that's not so bad.
0: Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. So, um, how could this work? How in the world could this work? Or what is your what? So again, as a scientist, you're you're looking. You, we're doing double duty here. By the way, of course, as a scientist, but also science fiction author, in a way. Yeah. Right. You're trying to say, if this was the case, if this virus really could think, um what would be going on and then as a scientist you'd say well this is what i would need to find and by the way this is how all these these little shows we do work right so um so would this virus need to have a brain
1: well so that's the thing viruses are inherently so small and so generally compact that you would never be able to have it have a brain which is what came in my idea of, okay, it would have to take over an already existing brain. And so consciousness Uh is extremely complicated. It seems like, you know, there's some gradient, like, you know, you can have animals that seem pretty aware. Um, And for example, crows, which are very smart, they've been shown to be capable of having subjective experiences. They've taught themselves how to use tools. Um, They're vocal learners. They do have a system of communication. So... Um, If you piss off one crow, chances are every crow you've seen in the neighborhood will know you and will not deal with you. They will be angry at you because they talk to each other. Then they gossip with each other. Um, So I figured that they don't
0: even have Facebook as far as we know.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe they've gotten actually really smart.
0: Yeah. Peak book.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So what I figured is that, you know, a virus traditionally, this is an alien virus, so maybe it's super crazy, but. Uh, I thought, keeping at least with what we know and why a scientist would identify it as a virus, it's probably only got a handful of genes. But in this handful of genes, clearly there is something that makes it capable of taking over neurons and essentially, not killing them, but making them able to change your your thought patterns, something with your sort of mental wiring, hence what made me think of cordyceps fungi because we don't know exactly how they do what they do, but we do know that somehow they institute this sort of program in bugs that makes them do this thing they wouldn't normally do.
2: Yeah, so this is an important distinction, right? So we're not saying that the virus has a tiny little virus-sized brain, um, mm-hmm. uh, because that's not feasible, right? I mean, we don't, so we don't, we don't really understand consciousness and the mind, um, but it sure seems like uh, you need a certain number of neurons connecting to each other. Um, uh, to get these uh, sorts of mental conscious effects. Uh, And the virus itself is already much smaller than a single neuron. So there's no way, the the virus doesn't have a small brain in there. Um, So instead, it's it's doing something else that's creating behavior in the large-scale organism um, that looks conscious or intentional um, but must be something else.
0: Yeah, so uh, how would it... In other words, here's here's the interesting question, and this is what I, the X-Files was touching on, I suppose. This was the thing they were looking at. In, in being science fiction, they were looking for that weird area between science and fiction, or uh, known science and wonder, right? Uh, mystery. And that is that... Uh, there are living creatures or actually, um, there's. this is the strangest thing about evolution, right? It seems like, and and so this is what it boils down to, right? How in the world, these are, these, you're talking about real, Gabby, you're talking about like the fungus or whatever, these are real things that actually do this to Mm -hmm. creatures. And it looks intentional, right? It's like, how in the world, did this incredibly complex behavior where it, you, you, you said it even, there's one that takes a bug up high. So because that's when the spores come out, it's the spores will go more widely, spread more widely. Right. Um, yep. that seems like a situation where I, it made sense perhaps for somebody to say, uh, while they were sitting in the writer's room, eating their, uh, meatball sub, uh, wow, this thing seems to know what it's doing. Let me write a story about that. Does it, and yet it doesn't know what it's doing. How, how do we find ourselves in this bizarre situation? How do we, yeah, how so does science explain
1: that? It's easy to sometimes mistake sort of a an instinct behavior or just the way something works as intentional. So for example, when you turn your car on, the car doesn't make the conscious choice to fire the engine and, you know, move uh. X-Pistons, it's just a machine carrying out what it's been, you know, put together to do, it has been assembled to do. And very similarly, you know, viruses have their sort of molecular engines that once that process starts, it's, it's driven by chemistry, not necessarily by, you know, complex, like complex or conscious thought. Right. So it's easy for us as things capable of conscious thought to constantly try to rationalize everything as, oh, it thought to do this. But in reality, for a lot of these things, it's it's really just, you know, molecular programming. So that right. fungus, it can't make a choice once it's in the ant to have the ant do something slightly different because it's also limited by the extent of its control over the ants <laughs> sort of mind. So it's <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe you know, a hundred thousand years from now, the cordis, like another kind of fungus or a different subspecies of the of fungus will get a different ant or the same ant to do something slightly different because it survives better. The fungus reproduces better when it gets that ant to do a thing. So instead of climbing up to the top of the tree and then exploding out of the ant's forehead there, it teaches the ant to go run to the center of the colony and clamp onto another ant. Um, and then then it explodes um, and infects all the ants around it. So it's it's natural selection is always driven by whatever works the best for reproducing the thing. But right. that can take it in wonky ways.
0: I, I, I like how you said um, it's it's trapped itself and by its own programming. So Matt, you since you've tapped in or it's tapped into your mind, you were you and the virus, the sentient virus, are sharing sharing thoughts. Uh, it seems to me that you may be sensing a little bit of like the virus saying, "Look, I don't I don't want to do this. I don't know. Uh, I, we're going to do this." Uh, I only know what you ask that you say. Well, in a way, there's part of you inside that says, Well, could we walk there instead? Could I wear white today? And can I be a man in white mm-hmm. instead of a man in black? And the virus says, How does the virus react to that?
2: Well, I think I've got, I probably have an urge, I think, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so the cordyceps, for instance, is, is you know, famous for um, uh, getting its victims to get to high elevations. Um, So it can then spread its spores better. So it's not that um, we have a mind meld in the sense that I hear a little voice in my head saying, you should climb uh, a hill. Um, But rather, I just feel the urge to climb a hill the way I feel an urge to eat when I'm hungry. Okay, (laughs) I don't Uh, uh, The fridge doesn't have to say to me, um, you should come eat something, Uh, but rather I just feel inclined to do so. Um, And I think that's, uh, again, as as Gabby was saying, an important distinction here is that most things in the living world do stuff, but they don't have intentionality. The plant doesn't say, um, I'm going to turn to face the sun, but rather there's um, mechanical or biochemical mechanisms uh, that accomplish that task. And there's, there's no sense of wanting or desiring. Um, uh, that's simply the way it is arranged physically. And that seems to be the difference between, I don't know, that's the weird thing about consciousness is we have this awareness and intentionality um, and whatever it is that makes that possible in our heads is clearly not possible for something on the scale of a virus.
0: Yeah. And getting back, Gabby, your, your analogy about the car was interesting because <clears throat> the difference is, is somebody built a car and, um, a person built a car, let's say Henry Ford built a car. Uh, but in evolution, a car evolves. Yeah. It
1: right? kind of built itself in a manner it built of speaking. Itself,
0: right. Or, and, and the idea is that actually, you know, um, I don't know, something Got together and one time something round created a thing like a wheel, and then there was a a a, a, a long a, an axle. To, so, it,
1: but it's hard. Between, we're not we're not wired to think this way. <laughs> it's right, right,
0: right. The the hard thing is, and this all is look. This is a fundamental question about evolution, right? Um, the in between steps we don't see.
1: Yeah. Well, So, right? yeah, all the so,
0: terrible cars that never worked.
1: Yeah, because they probably they went extinct at some point. But at one point, right. there was probably a you know huge explosion of the amounts of random cars that worked to various degrees. <laughs> so, for example, they they could have existed perfectly fine, but had some glaringly weird flaws. So, for example, I'm gonna bring up everyone's favorite, the Pinto, um, <laughs> the the wild Pintos of the Precambrian uh, explosion. Um, they were they were doing perfectly fine because they could as long as a wild pinto could reproduce before it got in a collision and exploded, um, it was fine. It was fine. Right. It would it would continue on its its genes. But then maybe I don't know. It was it was hunted by your average monster truck, again native to the <laughs> Precambrian era, um, yeah. which in which you know essentially made it so that they could never reproduce before they exploded, and they went extinct. But right, species right. related to the Pinto, like, you know, I don't know, the, the Ford Focus managed to escape and continue and, and exist till this day.
0: I love this Pixar Cars version <laughs> of evolution. Yeah, the Pinto famous for being rear-ended and exploding. Um, yeah, that's it. Oh, you know, that's how I got to say, you just helped me understand evolution quite a bit better, even just with that one simple thing by saying, well, it's not that a million mutant mutations basically that's what happens right something is born and it's a mutation and but the ones that don't work they don't work and they probably don't last very long at all but once one if one happens to be created uh that works really well for that environment it just explodes right so you're saying
1: and what i think we tend to forget about evolution is that you know it's not linear We think about what did it take to make a horse, but you forget that at one point there were like 50 different species of horses ranging in size from smaller than your knee height to I think like eventually they got to like waist level. And so you think all of these things went into building a horse, but in fact, like in, in actuality, all of these things went into building a family of horse like creatures that eventually the only thing that was left was our horse. And so we forget that all of these other steps were there along the way. That evolution isn't a line; it's a branching tree. If that yeah. makes some and sense. And
0: it's possible that all kinds of other creatures also spawned off of that line of horses.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. So, um, what is it? Um, a lot of like whales are actually related to land, say. land. Whales are related to land mammals. Um, and I forget that there actually is one specific one that's like more closely related to, I think what used to be an ancestor of a horse, but it's weird. Like, you know, you can't think of, you know, whales are whales. How did a whale ever exist as like, you know, something that lived on land and had fur or whatever, but you know, it's that, that's the weirdness of it. Yeah. Uh, so the
0: X-Files, the black goo virus that Matt is still trotting around with, um, there's a difference between. Is there a difference between um, all these parasites and viruses that seem to be able to control creatures anyway and what it was they were going for on the X Files?
1: Yeah, so what's really interesting about at least the presentation of the black oil on the X-Files is that it yeah. does move with intention. There seems to be some ability for it to remember. So it's capable uh, of jumping from person to person and essentially cutting off its infection of a person and completely squeezing itself out into another person as, again, a big mass of black goo. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, and then that next person continues to act exactly like the first person. So it does that a couple yeah. times to throw off people who are chasing it. So clearly it's capable of, you know, hijacking a person's thought process to use, you know, their you know ability to problem solve. But I don't I never viewed that as like I couldn't imagine that you could program that much into a virus to do it. But, you know, I the the, the memory part is something I haven't quite figured out yet. That how right. it would manage to maintain memory because memory is a very complex thing. It's not I mean, I'm sure there is a molecular wiring to memory, but functionally you only get memory because you have multiple cells with their multiple molecular wirings working together mm-hmm. across yeah. multiple parts of the brain.
0: Right. So it seems like basically what we're talking about is like a swarm, like yeah. the mind of a swarm.
1: And so actually mm-hmm. this is kind of an interesting thing bringing back up viruses. One of the way, other ways it could have worked, and it's very difficult to assume that this is what would have happened because it's like it's a, the probability of this gets lower and lower. But essentially there's something with viruses where you could have a virus missing a gene. And as long as it gets in that same cell gets infected with another virus that has that gene, it will be able to produce functional viruses. So in theory, you could have the black oil as a sludge of maybe like a hundred thousand different packages of something that when it infects, all infect the same handful of cells to Execute a huge molecular program. Maybe not even the same handful of cells, but you know, specifically going to specific parts of the brain, each one with their own different system. But then you have to think about it, you know, what happens if you you miss one one tiny, 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 tiny micro piece of this huge complex each individual puzzle? It's like you solve a, it's like solving a, you know, trillion piece puzzle, and then you're missing a piece.
2: It's disappointing.
1: So, <laughs> it's very disappointing, and for the black oil, that would probably mean at some point it just sort of like short circuits, like um, if you know someone randomly can't move their left leg because they accidentally forgot the left leg part of the black oil that got left behind on somebody's shoe in the previous mm-hmm. episode.
0: Wow, you know it's interesting. It reminds me of there's um in in one of Arthur C. Clarke's first or earliest novels, uh, The City and the Stars. Which also had an alternate title at one point uh anyway there's a among the many you know things uh, discovered in that world uh there was a lake and the lake appeared to simply be uh if i'm rem- remembering correctly perhaps like black water or something or had a black oil on the surface that turned out to be that once a year or you know on some periodic basis all of what that was, was, was like a vastly distributed creature of some kind. It would all congeal back together and become a creature that would come out of the water or something, and do its mating or whatever, and then go person. back in and, and then fall just dis, disassemble itself and, and go all apart like that. Um, wrapping up Matt, before we, um, we cure you, Again, using the magic of uh, fiction. Mm -hmm. Um, In your mind meld with the virus, what do you think, uh, how will will it change you? What will you remember about this? Uh, I suspect
2: I will um, remember doing everything I did under its control. Um, not being entirely sure why I chose to do those things, um, but unless I am I'm persuaded otherwise, uh, I think I will probably have had, uh, I will think that I had good reasons for doing those things. Um, it'll be a little bit like uh, waking up the next morning after a really interesting party um, <laughs> and you say... I've got a new tattoo and I'm like, well, I must've had a good reason for wanting that at the time. Yeah. Right. I don't recall exactly what it was. Um, uh, because it's like I said, it's not that, um, it's not that the virus is conscious and I'm aware of sort of talking with another being, but rather it just gives me urges to do things that I wouldn't have had otherwise.
0: Interesting. Interesting. I, I could imagine a story in which a science fiction story in which somebody goes to get a tattoo and they don't know why. Mm-hmm. And it's like a it's like a code.
2: Yeah, that be it's a, it's a barcode and then they scan it and yeah. get the message. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: Um Gabby, is this something you would ever want? Would you want to mind meld with a virus? You study viruses. Yeah. Could you I... imagine
1: I mean, I think it'd make my job a little easier if I could just sort of like mentally keep track of all of these molecules. I mean, I I think, you know, Nobel Prize worthy. If I could just sort of psychically, telekinetically keep track of all of these different molecules and what they're doing. Yeah. Man, I'd I'd blaze a path through science. Sure. Yeah. Sign me up for the, the virology mind meld. It's all the rage. All the kids are doing it.
0: Yeah, and then it would become like, you know, with getting the Nobel Prize, it'd be like doping or something. You know, is, that, is it <laughs> if they're half virus? I mean, does it, you know, do, can we give a, uh, uh, an award for that or not? Um, but yeah, we'll have to get a, uh, Matt, we'll get your friend Brian um, Brian Keating on, uh, mm-hmm. author of yep. losing the Nobel Prize to talk right. about. To those people who may have been disqualified because they were in fact drones for aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Einstein may, of just, course. You just
1: hate it when that happens, right? Oh, uh, I just hate it. I just
0: hate it. Um, thank you. This is wonderful. Wow, you really we we uh, um, so Matt's cured, right? We we're, yeah. Sorry. So we're at least exit. based on
1: based on the X Files, it seems to just leave sometimes. So we, we I think it just got maybe got a little bored. We were talking for a while. Matt's sealed in a cube, a containment <laughs> cube. It's done with him.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a faculty meeting. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It'll <laughs> take place in the cube. Touché,
2: touché. Hey, well, this was quite
0: the fantastic voyage. We went into multiple, I don't know, we went up, we went down, we went in the lab, we're out of the lab, We're inside viruses, We're on top of trees and we're spawning spores. So uh, everyone, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, incredible, crazy, fantastic voyage. Uh, let us know your questions. What do you? If you were a virus, what would you think? What would you want? Um, what would you scheme? Who would you go after? Who would you like to, uh, you know, control? Could be interesting. Uh, write us at feedback at whattheif.com or go to our website, whattheif.com. And there's a little comment box there right on the front page. You can just uh, type us a message and send it to us. Um, by the way, we've been getting some new reviews I'll, I'll, on, on Friday. I'll read those. Thank you very much. Really wonderful. Five-star reviews. Much appreciated. Um, on Apple Podcasts and uh, other platforms. So if you're listening right now, which you are, uh, that's very meta, or I know you're listening right now. <laughs> uh, on your app, scroll down or click the button, where wh- whatever the uh, functionality is to leave a review. Uh, if you give us five stars, that'd be amazing. If you can write a few words, that's great. Either way, all good and super helpful and we'd love to hear from you so uh, like i said write in and tell us where you're listening from who knows where we'll go next time but i can guarantee this it will be fantastic see you next week